Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm David Lally, the producer of the show, and from time to time, we have the privilege of bringing you all into one of our live events, and this session is a real treat. Brian is doing a live Q&A with Mel Robbins at our personal growth event, The Peak Experience. You might have heard Mel on a show before in episode 122. She's the author of The Five Second Rule and host of The Mel Robbins Show, which premiered just this week. If you like what you hear in the episode today, stay tuned to the end and I'll tell you how to get a free bonus cut of the audio. Fantastic session, Mel. Thank you for just the blessing. We're going to go lickety split into a Q&A session. There's a gentleman in the room named Alton Hitchcock who worked for me for 15 years. And if you've been coming to Peak Experience, Melanie and Alton Hitchcock as a couple, they were the primary responsibility to put this event on. Alton, after 15 years, becomes a realtor, and his goal is, I want to be so successful, I get to go to this event. And so he's here this morning, Mr. Alton Hitchcock, well done. Where are you, buddy? Stand up. Where are you? Being well-trained in the Buffini way, you're always listening for needs. And so last night during Synergy at Dinner Mel, Alton heard someone share a story, and he emailed it to me this morning. Where is Ken Abramowitz? Ken, where are you? Ken, stand up there. So here's what Ken shared with Alton last night, and we're going to talk about this. He said, years ago, I read an article in Success Magazine featuring Mel. At that time, she had a radio show, remember, 15 bucks an hour, and it was at that time I was forced to close my medical offices because insurance companies told me they were no longer going to pay for the procedure I performed. I had no idea what to do next, so I emailed Mel. I got a response from her producer, and they wanted me to come on the show and ask Mel. Keep in mind, I was emotionally crushed, I just had what seemed to be my life taken out from underneath me with no warning. I was in a state of utter panic. And my whole adult life, all I had known was being in healthcare. So I called Mel's show and told her my sad story. I was expecting some sort of sympathy. (laughs) She didn't give that to me. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Put your helmet on, son, and get back in the game. My wife wanted me to go work a nine-to-five job at Macy's in the men's department. Instead, 54321, I got into real estate, and here I am today. How about that? Thank you. How about that? So, Ken, here's why I'm giving you the mic. We're going to give a gift to this lady who's made two transformative cross-continent trips to be with the Buffini group. Very rarely does Mel get the chance to see the rest of the story. We get it in coaching all the time. So can you tell her from that day on what's happened in your career? You're obviously doing pretty well to be in this group, so maybe you can fill in the blanks. I am, actually. And I got into real estate in 2000. Our trajectories were almost the same. I read your book. 2009 was about as good a year for you as it was for me. And then 10 (laughs) years later, you're about to go on a TV show, and I'm sitting here. I'm a top producing agent in my area. I just got notification I'm going to be on the cover story of Washington, D.C. Metro Real Producers. And I wouldn't do it unless they took pictures of me on my Harley and they said, okay. So it's just, it's unbelievable. Thank you again so much, Mel, because when everybody in my inner circle was feeling sorry for me, insurance companies suck, I didn't even know you. And you just had the integrity and the courage to stand up and tell me what I needed to hear. And and just thank you so much for doing that. Beautiful stuff. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a good life. So what did you need to hear? What did you need to hear? I needed to not hear insurance companies suck, it's horrible, you don't deserve it. I needed to hear somebody, like, you didn't talk to me in a degrading way. It was like a coach 
that had a star player in front of him who couldn't get his head out of his rear end. Uh-huh. And you talked to me like that, and you said basically just pick yourself up and go get in the game and do what you want to do or what you know you should do. And it was almost like that five-second rule kind of thing looking back at it. But I needed somebody tough love. Yeah. And that's what you did. And yeah. you didn't even know me, and it was really cool. What do you need right now? What I need right now is I think your talk just put so many things in my head, and it's just the five-second rule I have found myself right now. And I think a lot of agents are like this. I'm a very giving guy. I got into healthcare because I wanted to help people. I got into real estate partially because I wanted to help people. And I'm struggling right now with a little bit with what's my vision versus the team. And that's my struggle right now is I want to do this, but I've got others around me that may not want to come through the tunnel with me. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's my struggle right now is where I want to go or do I pay attention to what everybody else is comfortable with or what they want to do. What is it triggering you? The question for me, because it's so obvious that when you're called to go in a different direction, right, that you know it in your bones. You can feel the expansion in your heart. You can, even if it's scary, you can feel there's something energizing about it. So the question that I have is, what is the pattern of thinking or the story that you have or the limiting belief that's triggering you as you think about moving in the new direction that other people have an opinion about or may not want to do? What is it, that button that's getting pushed right now? I think it's probably a couple of things. I think the biggest one is, especially in light of that business, my healthcare business taken away from me. Yep. There's a little bit of that going on that if I get really huge, because I was huge. I had six offices in three states. Wow. I was about to open another one in Orlando, Florida, and I live in Maryland. And just like that, gone. And so there is a little bit of that in me going, if I get big, someone's going to come in and take it away from me. That's a big one that I'm struggling with right now. Okay, so that's important to distinguish because it's not actually about the other people. No, there's that too. but Huge. Yes. And so the thing to keep in mind is that's the pattern to catch. Because one of the cool things, there's a lot of things that aren't cool about, you know, losing it all and having something really big get destroyed. But one of the cool things is, is that you learned a lot of lessons based on that. I had a ton of different experiences in the media business that didn't really go anywhere, from shows that we shot to things that never took off, and standing yesterday on a soundstage for 12 hours shooting commercials for the new talk show, I realized, holy cow, all of those experiences that I would have chalked up as failures trained me for this moment. And so one of the things, a new pattern that you could put in your mind is not that I could screw it up again, but thank God I screwed up the first one and I didn't see it coming because I actually know the warning signs to build this in a smarter way. Does this sound exactly like yesterday morning? <laughs> Identify the patterns. You've paid the tuition. <laughs> now it's time to learn the lesson and yeah. don't let fear make the decision. Yeah. Put the plan, put the plan, put the plan, and then five, four, three, two, one. The one thing I'd throw into it is healthcare industry made your decision for you. Correct. The other thing, you're waiting for something terrible to happen to make this decision for you. True. Now the next level is, I'm going to make these decisions on purpose, on point. You've got a coach beside you. We're going to help you be profitable at every stage of the game. And that way, in this case, unless they tear down all the houses in the world, 
You're going to be okay. Well, I do live around D.C., so you never know. What yeah, you're right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank for, you, Mel for, and Brian. Thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. That was you a guys, treat. You know the decision. Go down the tunnel, David. Yeah. There you go. That's great. Okay. Great. Okay. Rapid fire. Who's got a question for Mel? Tell us who you are, where you're from. Hi, my name is Dick Crawford. I'm from Anaheim, California, and okay. I have a question about the peak and coming back down to a plateau and then going up to the next peak and coming down to the plateau. With 54321, do we get to a point where that habit, that pattern we're trying to change does in fact change and it becomes kind of a regular part of our life and we're good at it, and then we go to the next 54321 yes. issue? Absolutely. Can you address that? Absolutely. Yeah, I can address that. So I think a lot of the patterns that we have, so we just heard it with Ken, and I certainly experience in my own life, the patterns are there. You can certainly change the patterns, but when you have a big event happen, a big decision, you got a big life change, you got a big moment, it could come back. And so it's important to recognize that that's a moment where you're reaching for an old coping mechanism or you're present to an old hurt or failure or piece of trauma. And it's important to recognize, oh, here it is again. Right. How annoying, five, four, three, two, one, and keep going. And what you'll find when you get used to the next level or the next phase of life that you're in is that this is what I find, that I go on that mode that you're talking about, the kind of mode where you're cruising along, and then when you're about to make the next jump, you're going to go through the tunnel, you're going to make a big decision, you've got a huge opportunity or something very stressful in front of you, some of those old coping mechanisms come back. You know what that is? It's a sign. It's a sign that the next chapter is here. Because that's what change feels right. like. I had a friend text me today because I have been like just, I feel like I'm standing under an avalanche because of what Sony Pictures requires when you're doing a new show like this. And he wrote me the most perfect thing. It's very short that I wanted to read to you. You ready? You're under an avalanche because the whole world wants what you're doing. Mm. You're in the right place. Growth feels this way. Mm. So when your patterns come back, it's a test. Have you learned the lessons of this level? And if you pass the test and you push through that pattern, you get to the next one. Okay? And you're excited about it. Yeah. Very excited, yeah. And you're talking yeah. about mastery, right? Yeah. People ask me, do I still write personal notes? I write more and better than I ever did. By the way, it turns out Mel Robbins write personal notes. Did you catch that little message? Bless you, bless you, bless you. They missed that part, of course. Did you see the personal note she wrote to the person on the airplane? Or did you guys just miss that as well? Okay. But here was something that came up that I'd love you to share. Sure. Because people think you and I are done, arrived, it's finished. We used to have problems. I asked you how many times a day you say five, four, three, two, one to yourself. Oh, too many times to count. I mean, I use it all day long. I used it this morning to get out of bed. I used it backstage not to grab the chocolate that was sitting there. <laughs> I will use it, I'm sure, on the flight home. I use it when I get triggered in an email. I use it to check my tone of voice. I use it to make phone calls I don't want to. I use it, I notice, when, because I'm in this new phase, when I get an email from Sony or somebody or a text and it's not what I want or I'm reading a tone in, I use it to settle the story that I tell that I'm in trouble or I disappointed mm. somebody. And so I use it all the time because, you know, things are always coming at you and this is a tool to manage your reaction to it. And you're always going to need to manage your reaction. We're emotional energy beings. 
so you get triggered by things. And the bigger the game gets or the, you know, whatever state you're in, there are going to be new things that challenge you. So I use it all day long. It's five, four, three, two, one, go. For me, as a very amped up type of fella, I use it probably more in my day, five, four, three, two, one, no. Now, it's a really important point because for me, in leading my team, we obviously get paid to talk. Yeah. And talking is not really good when it comes to leading. Right. You got to do more listening. So one of the key behaviors that I've changed is five, four, three, two, one, make sure I get feedback from everybody on the team or their input before I just run a meeting. Five, four, three, two, one, shut up and listen. I use it a lot to go no, to be yeah. quieter, to not have the second martini, whatever <laughs> you know, the no might be in your yeah. world. You right. know what I mean? Let's go. Rapid fire. Who are you? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Courtney Wind. I'm from Bellevue, Washington. Hi, Courtney. My question is specifically about the mental side of things. Yeah. I struggle with catching that five seconds. I find that I catch it after, far okay. after, and go, I had that moment, and it's gone now. Do you have any advice? Yeah. First of all, don't make yourself wrong. So don't use the fact that you didn't catch it a moment to then repeat a pattern of making yourself wrong. I want you to practice doing something I call think this, not that. So it's a substitution diet for the mind, right? So instead of thinking that thing like, oh, did it again, think this. Oh, great. I just recognized that opportunity. Maybe I'll catch it next time. Because mm. spotting what you blew is the first step in starting to recognize those moments and those patterns that are invisible to you, okay? So that's a very good thing that you're waking up and going, oops, that was an opportunity. Now you're in the mode of training yourself to spot it in the mode, okay? That's mm -hmm. yes. liquid gold, liquid gold. Great, who's next? Yeah. Paul Gutting, Remax Savannah, Savannah, Georgia, never too busy for your referrals. Oh boy. I have a tendency to self-correct. Like in golf, for example, if I have a great front nine, my back nine's going to be 15, 20 strokes worse. Okay. You know, in, in life, it's the same thing. If I'm in a really good place, I'll find a way to change that. You know, maybe because... His wife is sitting next to him, nodding her head yes. useless right now. <laughs> I love that woman. Yeah. Oh. You know, and I, I haven't really put much thought into whether it's regarding a limiting belief or whether, you know, it's fear-based or... I know what it is. Yes. I think you believe in luck and streaks. I've spoken for the PGA Tour, and I get a lot of feedback from golfers, actually, about the five-second rule. And so my suspicion is that you're not owning the fact that you are responsible for how you did on the front nine, or that you are responsible for how you're doing in this phase of your career. And that all of the success isn't because it's the front nine, it's because of you. And maybe what I would start doing in golf is, you know how, is it Gordon Spieth? Is that how you say his name? Jordan? Jordan, Jordan, Jordan sorry. Yep. He has this crazy warm-up routine that they've documented that's like a bazillion things that he does. And there's research around those kind of routines because they set an intention in your mind and they give you a sense of control. And I think that you need a, a ritual in between the front and the half that makes your mindset deliberate again. Because I think if you have a limiting belief that when you're successful, it's lucky and it's not lasting, that you'll look for reasons for when it starts to dip. And then you stop working and stop being intentional. 
Does that sound right? Yes. That becomes the pattern? Yeah, that becomes the pattern. Exactly. It's interesting you mentioned golf. So <laughs> you said something that I was just listening to this week, and you talked about this dynamic of anxiety and how it's just taken over, and we've got to watch our kids and watch ourselves, and these phones and all that kind of good stuff, crazy what's going on. So this nervousness and anxiety versus excitement. Yes. It's interesting. They interviewed Jack Nicklaus. They interviewed Tiger Woods. Golf is a game where you're exposed. You're all by yourself and the whole world's watching you. And golf is a sport where people choke publicly more than any sport in the world. It's just you. It's just yourself. Maybe your caddy, but your caddy's carrying your clubs, you know, and maybe your Manhattans. And um, all of a sudden, these golfers get in the lead. When they're coming from behind, now they get out in front and they choke. When they talk to Jack Nicklaus and they talk to Tiger Woods, the word that they always, when they bring up the question about how do you handle the pressure, how do you handle the pressure, the word they use is fun. Well, this is fun. And we have a tendency, I have had a tendency throughout my life to overpower the anxiety and overpower the circumstance instead of this is fun, this is what I get to do. Like, this is fun. And so, you know, you think these two things that Mel's talking about. One is, your pattern is, I had a great front nine, or I had a great first quarter in business. Some of you have had a great year, and I hear this all the time in coaching. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And we say, don't get a nosebleed. Don't get a nosebleed. I can't believe it. You keep saying that, eventually you won't believe it. That's true. And you'll have a terrible year. Well, if you say, I can't believe it, you already don't believe it. Right. Powerful stuff. It's a great question. Excellent question. That heck gets everybody in the room. Yes, Good excellent. old Savannah. All right. Yes, who's next? Hi, Ann Pizarro from Long Island. I wondered if, Mel, you and your husband, Chris, have had a heritage profile done, and if you have, how do you use that in your daily life? We haven't, but I was actually talking to Brian Beckstead and your brother's going, I think I need to do one of these right. things. It sounds super cool. We don't want to screw up everything that's going right, though. No, we haven't, but, but, you know, I will say <laughs> that we are the exact opposite mm. on everything. Absolutely everything, yep. and that's probably why it works. And I also want to offer you this. One of the best things that ever happened to us truly in our marriage, is when we hit that financial crisis. Because when I look back on our marriage, and we've been married for 23 years now, I can see that every fight that Chris and I ever had was because we were in the wrong roles in our marriage. Mm. And we weren't speaking the same language. And I had aspirations of building something big and doing something big with my life, and I was sticking it on him. And he's not somebody that's driven by that. He's a very spiritual guy. He is a very connected guy. He'd rather be up on a mountaintop than in a business suit. And so when we almost lost it all, our marriage, our sanity, all of our money, it forced us to really work in a partnership very differently. And when the five-second rule took off and I all of a sudden was on the road all the time giving speeches and it all took over our lives organically, I couldn't do this unless he was home. Being the primary support person in our family, he also happens to be the CFO of the media company, but he's the person that's at home. And when we flipped into different roles and I became the person that was building something and out in the world and you know, really generating the income and he got to do what he does best, forget genders, forget roles that you've played, I think it is so important in your life to be so present to where you're at and what's calling you. 
and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are, which is why the heritage profiles are so empowering. Because when you give language and light to the patterns and the default settings that you have, you now have mastery over them. And for years, we were just in the wrong spots because we didn't understand each other. And if we did a heritage profile, yeah. I'm sure we'd understand each other even better. Right. But it's been a gift. It's been a gift that he's been with our kids for four years, something that most dads don't get to do. You know, it's been a gift that I've been out in the world doing this, and our kids get to see what it's like not only for someone to build their dreams, but for their mom to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's been incredible. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's great. You know, we live in a world where, you know, the positive psychology really hit America in the 1930s through 70s. And then it became, you can do anything, you can do anything. And so what we've told them, we've raised our kids to go, you can do anything, you can do anything, you can do anything. At Buffini and Company, we absolutely do not believe that. We do not believe you can do anything. That's the recipe for disaster. You can do everything you're designed to do. You can't make Shaquille O'Neal a jockey. There's no amount of positive motivation. The guy's 360, 7'2". He's bigger than a freaking horse. You can be a jockey. I can be a jockey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think and I'm going to lock myself in a closet. I'm going to attract a horse into my life that I can ride into the Kentucky. It's not true. But you can be everything you're designed to be. And so powerful stuff. My name is Bo Benjamin. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Hey, Bo. My question is, or my fear is, I guess, I came from a divorced family. And I have these ideas that you spoke about, Mel, a lot. Five, six ideas right now I feel like could make a lot of money, millions of dollars, whatnot. I think my fear is I have a wife and a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. I'm scared to death of going down a path that could result in a divorce or separation or something gotcha. because okay. I don't know how to so, handle it. Um, was the divorce a good thing for your parents? Should they have been together? I was probably too young to know that. Are they happy? My mom's happy. My stepdad passed, who I... Okay. See, you know, one of the things that maybe I think would help you is that I bet you told yourself a story about what happened. Right. And you're living in fear of this story about why your parents got divorced. And maybe you say it's because your dad worked too much and because your parents... I don't even know. What is the story for why your parents got divorced? Alcohol, different problems abuse. I was really young, but honestly, too, I'd, I'd like to ask like a little second part is yeah. I've always been interested. Someone told me a long time ago, if you ever meet someone successful, how do you guys run your days? And you both are very family oriented people, both very successful. So in your answer, if you could yeah, elaborate on that too. So first thing though, it's interesting to me that you've linked success with divorce. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that, especially if the story about your parents' divorce involves abuse and alcoholism, that you, as an adult, you need to step back and say, it was a good thing that they're not together. That was a very good thing that I only grew up this high in a household where your parents were operating like that. And look, I also believe that when you know better, you do better. And perhaps your parents were just doing the best that they could. Right. But we know so much about childhood trauma when you grow up in a house like that, that that stuff is absorbed in your nervous system. And so what I think that you're dealing with is that there are things that you need to deal with in your marriage and in your business in order to have a true partnership. And 
even having those conversations triggers the fears that you have absorbed in your body as a kid when there was tension in your household. They call it ghosts in the nursery room, Mm. meaning your body remembers even though your brain might not. And so the idea of you having a conversation with your wife about the support that you need or about what's going to be required or the risks that you want to take, it makes you concerned that you're going to trigger conflict. And you as a kid want to avoid that at all costs, and now you're doing it as an adult. Does that make sense? Mm. So you're not scared of divorce. You're scared of having a conversation that feels dangerous or feels like it could be upsetting. Is that fair? No. Okay. So the only way out is through. It's a pattern for you to avoid confrontation. That's all that you're dealing with. And you have these big dreams and these big plans and all these amazing things you want to do, ironically, to support your family and fulfill your dreams. Right. You need your wife's support. You need her buy-in and you need her partnership. And the only thing that's standing between you getting it is this pattern that you learned as a youngster. Yeah. Conflict is bad. Conflict is bad. And you've decided that any conversation that you don't know how it's going to go is going to be conflict. So what I would do is I would be honest with your wife that you're scared to have conversations because of this. I would talk to your coach or talk to you know, somebody about sort of getting rid of this pattern and what you absorbed as a kid. I would tell a totally different story about the divorce, that it was a really good thing. And thank God I did not spend 18 years in a household like that mm-hmm. and that my mom got safe. And I would have the conversation with your wife. And that brings me to the thing that one of the things that Chris and I do is we typically try to have a calendar meeting on Sundays. So by meeting every Sunday, it sounds, it sounds no, so No, it's got to happen. Sexy. It's got to happen. Sexy. When it doesn't, yes. our life does not go well. And Yes, <laughs> and the reason why is because otherwise the week is dominated by logistics and baton right. passing. But if we set the whole thing up ahead of time, yeah. and he's making his asks, and I'm making my asks, and my job in that meeting is not to get what I want. It's to support Chris in making sure he gets the exercise time, and he gets that. And he, by the way, comes to make sure that I'm getting mine. It's not a, what do I get? It's a, how do we support each other in making this whole week and this thing work? And that one meeting has had a profound impact on the connection. It also heads off the resentment that comes up when people start to feel like the amount of time you're getting for yourself isn't fair or that the family's oriented towards your goals but not towards my goals. It's the most amazing moment because, as stupid as it sounds, you're not talking about logistics you're talking about the things that matter to you and how to get them into real time. Right. And how to get your marriage and your family structure organized around making sure that you get that. Here's why I know Mel Robbins' show is going to be a massive success. Did you just watch what happened there? She shared your family dynamic. She said you don't like conflict. You asked a question, and you're standing here, and you had the courage to stand up and ask a question. And then you realized that question got you in hot water, so you asked a second question to try to distract us. <laughs> Okay, put the dog on the porch up and the wolf behind. No chance that the second question, what's your daily calendar? Forget that. Boom. So first of all, we just watched Gift in Action. Okay. Great man for asking that question. Amazing. It's okay. Your fear that I hear is I'm going to be just like my dad, only I'm going to be a workaholic. I'm not going to beat my wife. I'm just not going to be there because in order to be successful... I'm going to be a workaholic. That's why I go to a seminar of a guy who teaches balance, has six kids, seems somewhat adjusted, and that's why you're here. 
It's the story we tell each other, and because of that story, then this other story is created. I used to believe this. I grew up in a house that was 710 square feet. My mom and dad, I'm going home next week. I'm bringing the boys. 710 square feet, 10 of us on the weekends, okay? One bathroom. Five boys and a nine-by-nine. I had this thought. When I started becoming successful in America, oh, my gosh. What if my kids end up in their own bedroom? They won't be as close as me and my brothers. This is what I believed. And I was starting to, I'm like, I need to dial it down. Because I so valued the relationship I had growing up with my brothers. If I become successful and we're not all, you know, sniffing in each other's methane every day, somehow, that this is what brings closeness. And so I was terrified of it. Now, my kids have grown up in a 12,000 square foot house. And they're like, Dad, you go for it. My kids are closer than my brothers and I ever were. It was a story, and it was a story. And by the way, the story allows me to find a justifiable, high-principled reason not to be successful and not do the scary thing. Now, here's what I know. You had the chops to stand up in front of everyone in this room and the 250,000 people listening to this on a podcast (laughs) and ask a question that was very close to home. You have that kind of courage. You have all you need to be hugely successful at home, at work, in life. You're going to be awesome. So that thing, that like, oh, God, I got to ask this question, I got to ask this question, that alarm. That's the alarm I'm talking about. You listen to it. So when you leave here, it's going to feel the same way about I need to have this conversation and talk to her about what I'm struggling with based on my childhood and who I don't want to be. How many of you, by the way, are nervous to have a conversation where you're afraid you don't know how it's going to go. Look at how many hands are up. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. But now that you see that this is the only thing, and it's a pattern from your past, a justifiable one, by the way, because a lot of kids that grew up in a household like that know don't have those conversations because I don't want to get hit. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's a TV show (laughs) with values and truth and honesty and love and insight and enormous giftedness to serve and help. How many of you have a client you think that could use a little Mel Robbins? Could I see your hands? <laughs> Thank you. And here's the thing. More people could use this gift. Would you guys agree? Can you give her a thunderous thank you? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, powerful stuff. Who knew that a five-second window of opportunity could change lives? I hope you enjoyed the session as much as we did. And for you insiders, we have an extended cut of Mel Robbins doing more Q&A just for you. Head over to thebrianbuffinishow.com slash insiders to listen to that. And if you're not yet an insider, you can join up there as well. Until next time, I'll leave you with Brian's mum, Therese, for an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. <laughs>